Hello and welcome to Leadership, the Future and Tea, a podcast hosted by Andy Davis featuring Ian Moffat, Deborah Hartung and Hitton Bat, a podcast for people who are passionate about making a difference at work. Welcome everybody to Leadership, the Future and Tea and this is Ethical Leadership Podcast. It's Andy Davis and I'm also joined today by Ian Moffat, Deborah Hartung and Hitem Bat. We've got the full gang back together. How are you all doing? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, back together. There yeah. we go. We've had a few weeks um, where we've uh, we've we've done podcasts with me and Ian, or me, Ian, and Deborah, and uh, we're delighted to uh, have Hitem back on the team for his words of wisdom. The band's um, back together, right? Yeah, of course it is. The band's <laughs> back. This is good. After this is... after pursuing some individual projects. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, joint project today. This is the exciting bit. And we were just talking about ethical leadership and just saying that um, th- th- this one could be a massive topic. Uh, we're really pleased to actually cover this one because I think there's some amazing stuff out there. And let me just start by saying that I, I wanted to to kick this off with a bit of a definition about what this means and everything else. But quite honestly, some of the definitions just went very, very technical very quickly. Um, so for me personally, when I sit down and put aside all the textbooks and say, what's ethical leadership for me? It's just about doing the right things. But mm. this could mean anything at various different levels. Mm. And um, and again, Deborah, I'm, uh, sorry, Hiten, I'm going to open up with you actually to, to really take us forward on this and start by actually saying what do we mean by ethics as a leader well well Andy I think first of all what a great topic you know I'm really glad that you've chosen this 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 particular topic because it's so interesting and fascinating and I also love your very simple I like the fact that you put put aside all that theory and you put aside yeah. all the textbooks and all those all those definitions and you just said something very simple there you said it's to do the right thing that's it yeah. yeah, and I, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, one word, boo-hoo. <laughs> boo-hoo. Why, why are you saying that then, Kitten? Tell us and about they really it. Are, they, 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 they really are now, aren't they? They, yeah. they? They're in that position of boo-hooing themselves now. Mm. Yeah, with, with people dropping them left, right and centre. Very quickly, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so, so they, lost their, uh, they, they, they lost their suppliers. And, 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 you know, doing, you know, like underpaying your staff and all of this sort of stuff. Where does it, where does all this stem from? Uh, yeah, it, stems, it stems from greed. Uh, it stems from greed. And I want to get a little bit philosophical here just to, just to set the scenes. And then I'm sure um, Deborah and Ian are going to, are going to come in, 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 in the sense with, 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 the, with the business sort of, um, ways of looking at this but just from a very philosophical point of view there's certain topics that I think in our modern society we can't speak about we can't speak about sex we can't speak about politics we can't speak about race we can't speak about religion Um, you know they're taboo subjects right Mm -hmm. Um, and as soon as you mention something like ethics and being ethical as a leader it yeah to our modern ears, it sounds very preachy. It sounds yeah. almost Grandiose. like it, it sounds yeah. almost it sounds almost moral high ground. You're taking the moral high ground. It sounds very preachy. Now, it's very important in all of this to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sure. So sometimes what we tend to do is we say, oh no, oh ethics, oh that's the sphere of religion. Now uh, that's something I want to. I just, I just, I just want to touch on because all the major, whether you're religious or 
or not religious, all the major religions of the world have had a code of conduct. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. where we initially, as human beings, as human society originally developed. Yeah. Whether you look at the Bible or you look at ancient scriptures, it doesn't matter which world religion you look at. There was a set of rules yeah. of guiding principles that actually set the standard by which uh, man and human society should conduct themselves. Mm. A moral conscience was set uh, originally by, 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 by religion. And uh, I'm quite a spiritual person myself. My guru, yeah. Pramukh Swami Maharaj, and his guru, Yogiji Maharaj, once posed a very interesting question. And that question was, what is progress? So he asked, what is progress? And, you know, when we think about what is progress, when we think mm. in a business point of view, um, you know, you can come up with lots of different di different definitions. What is progress from business? Oh, profits. Profits is progress. Yeah. We've made more money. That's progress. Yeah. Uh, we've made technological advances. That's progress. We've, we've uh, achieved a certain goal or a certain target out there in the material world. That's progress. But Yogiji Maharaj, he gave a very interesting answer to this question, what is progress? And the answer that he gave was, true progress is peace within the heart. Peace within the heart. That's fantastic. That's about doing the right and, things then, isn't it? Again. Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. And, and, and he goes on to say that, that basically when you have peace in the heart is when you have done the right thing. Your conscience, your moral sense which which I believe is inbuilt in all of us. It's what yeah. separates us from the animals. What makes us different from uh, any other species is our ability to actually um, be creative, to have values, to have to have these things. That's what differentiates us from uh, other other species on this earth. And when you do the right thing, you have a a, a congruent way of being. So, so 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 in short, there's two definitions I'd like to give you. Yeah. Uh, just expanding on what you said at the start, Andy, about sure. doing the right thing. One is peace within the heart. So the moral, yeah. so the sense of a sense of um, um, inner peace that you, you're, you're, you're basically, which just means it doesn't mean sitting and saying, oh, it just means that you basically um, you feel that you've done the right thing. And also to expand on that, it's when our thoughts, words and our actions are congruent. Yeah. So I, I, I'll, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. I just I, wanted to let, let me bit just of, bit of a scene. So, so um, I, I'm kind of, I kind of, I want to throw this out and see if this makes, if this, if this sounds true, right? So, what I was thinking of when you were, when you were saying that towards the end was this idea of there must be a set of values, right, mm. by which we hold ourselves to account, our own personal values that we hold us, uh, ourselves to account against. Right. You could call them morals or whatever. But, you, you know, instinctively when you've gone outside of that, we, we've we've developed language. You know, we talk about you're sailing close to the wind or you've crossed the line there. We've got this language which describes and it must be some inner set of values or compass where we instinctively yeah. know we've gone against well, that. It, well, yeah. let, Ian, let, let me just follow up on what Hitten's just said. Right. Because I'm intrigued by this bit that you did right, Hitten, that you uh, you're a follower of religion. And religions have those set of values for people to yeah. to adhere to, right? That's been yeah. in there for millennia. Yeah. Um, I, and when I think about professions like the medical profession, they have a code of ethics, don't they? Yeah. And yes. 
very very clearly if you cross that code of ethics then you know there, there is a there is a process that you go through in order to have some sort of judgment on that Ian, um, what I think is the, the, the biggest single problem we've got, especially in business and with leaders, is there isn't actually a, one set of defined ethics for people to follow. It's no. what actually you're saying, which is it's down to your own personal view and your own personal ethics. And I think that's where it falls mm. apart. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that we should that we should bear in mind, and, and I know that this is not a very popular opinion, you know, when we look to religion, understand that religion is invented by people you know the same religions that people tout and say give them a moral compass are the same religions that say you should stone someone to death in the town square you know um so i i don't think that we necessarily need to need to look only at religion no 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 not at all can i I come in on this what i'm saying is this not not to, I know I started with religion and I know it makes for juicy, uh, I knew that, was, <laughs> I, 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 I was going to do that on purpose, just to, just to spice things up on the, on this, uh, on this podcast. Uh, you know, He's a mischievous for, character I, sometimes. I, 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 I knew that, I knew that mentioning that, that the R word would, 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 here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, whether it's religion or whether it's, whether you get your um, sense of, mar- human beings are inherently built with a sense of, um, I, I believe, um, a sense of right and wrong, right? A, a, a sense of what they should do. And, and, and it's amazing to find when you examine the major religions of the world, what you do see are very, very, there are more, there, there's quite a lot of similarities in what they teach. You know, we should tell the truth. We should, um, we should be charitable. Now, whether the practice of those things in terms of, their, in terms of how those things are interpreted by human beings, uh, um, uh, how that translates, uh, is, is, is a totally, is, yeah. is a totally d- different area. But what I'm saying is, initially, when we go back to human beings, what was the thing that actually, what, what, what did we develop? We developed language, we developed culture, we developed religion, we developed um, art, we developed so many things that make us human, that make us who we are. And, you know, ultimately, why, are, why is everyone doing what they're doing? Why does, why does a business exist? A well, business exists. Why, why, what's the purpose of a business? Well, that's, yeah, that's uh, a great, uh, that's a great it's, question. It's, it's a great question. And yeah, there's thousands of business students around the world listening to this now, Hitan, have just got the pen out because they think you're about to give them the answer that <laughs> they've wanted for their whole course. But you, but you know, it used, to, it used to be about a collection. I can't remember the exact phraseology, but it changed. But it used to be about a group of people coming together around a defined purpose for the benefit of the employees, the community and the organization. That's that used to be. And I'm paraphrasing that. That's not accurate, but it used to be to solve problems and to contribute. But most people will tell you it's to make profit. Yeah. And that's also what leads to this whole idea of, you know, of, of becoming kind of blind to transgressions. Because oh, it was just business, you know. So it's removed from that's right, yeah, from all the bad that we're doing. Because you know, oh no, but, you know, it, it was just business, and it 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 then goes further into, you know, what are we encouraging in the workplace, and what are we rewarding? Correct. Yeah. So, so, so Deborah, Andy, you you hit on a beautiful point there. You you know, very early on, that the whilst there are codes of conduct in you know financial services, etc., and oversight bodies, you know, there isn't. There isn't necessarily um, that framework. 
talked about in business. I think I think it's really good. There isn't, and that's part of it. In that, um, yeah, when you get leaders, and we'll come on to the examples uh, of, of ethical failings probably as we get on in the podcast. But actually, when you look at it, those leaders, um, part of the defence when they were stood up in the docks, when they were giving the reports to the press was that uh, they they made the decisions they did because actually the rules didn't apply to them. And, you know, that's again, uh, Deborah, just picking up on what, what you're saying there, that, you know, people hold themselves to a different set of accounts. But hey, Deborah, come on then, tell us then, what, how do we know our leaders are ethical? Because I feel that you've just started with, with getting there on that. Well, the, the scary thing is that we don't. And we only know that they're not ethical when it's too late when there's the congressional hearing and when there's the scandal. And, yeah. you know, we, we've spoken previously about Volkswagen. We've spoken about yep. Enron. Um, yeah. And WorldCom you know, and loads of others. Exactly. Yeah. You know, these these failings. And yeah. there's so much written around how this happens. And, you know, and, and I think it is, it's partly because, as we've all said, people you know, are held to different standards and they hold themselves to different standards. And the one thing that I really liked what Hiten was saying around the concept of ethics and, and religion mm. and what all the religions teach is yeah. really about love and it's about, you know, community and caring for others. Of and then about truth. And I think what's interesting, you know, you, you work for multinationals and I know that you guys do this as well, especially if you do business in the US or you're doing business with a with a stock exchange listed company. There's always the whole Foreign Corrupt Practices yep. Act, you know, that yep. mandatory training that you have to do yep. and the mandatory ethics training. And some things seem so black and white in terms of conflict of interest. You know, mm -hmm. I cannot allocate a tender to a company that is owned by my husband without yeah. declaring it. I'm like, those things are, those things are actually, I think a lot less prevalent than the, the smaller ethical breaches that are done in the name of profit in the name of progress. Um, because we're competing with another vendor. I think there's a lot more and it. I think it erodes over time. You know, for me, if I had to define what ethics means to me personally, I would say that it's doing the most amount of good yeah. for the most amount of people without endangering or harming anyone, whether mm -hmm. it's physically or spiritually yeah. or emotionally or financially along the way. You know, and I, I feel that's my personal code that I live by. You know, okay. if I'm going to take a decision... Uh. If I'm going to take a decision in business and, you know, and then you talk about collateral damage and, you know, yeah. but you've got to look at, yes, there's collateral damage, but, you know, what harm are you doing? And you look at some of these ethics case studies and, and one of the big ones um, that is still taught to this day is from the 70s with the Ford Pinto. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. this was a car that they put out there. And, and for people who don't know about this. Um, there was a massive scandal. Like this car, there was something wrong, I think, yep. with the fuel tank or something. That's right. In, That's in right. Rear, rear, rear in cases. Rear in cases. That's it. Yep. Yes, this damn car would catch fire. Like yeah. not just once in a blue moon, every single time. And yeah. only after more than 24 people had died because of this did Ford actually recall this car. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you go and look at how did this happen? Yeah. And it, it is, it almost becomes a conspiracy of silence. It becomes a, 
oh, it's just business. You know, the engineers who knew about this, they didn't flag it because they were like, okay, well, you know, it's not really my decision to take this thing to market, whatever it is. And I, I think we just, there's no way for us to really know that our people are ethical, unfortunately, until it's too late. And unless you, and unless you build do, that in, you build that into exactly. that mindset. Right? And that's what I wanted to say now is, is oh, that sorry. we need to build it in. No, don't be sorry. It, we need to build it in at the front end so Correct. that we don't ever have some or the other scandal. Um, and, and we need to really, it's not just about education. Psychological safety comes into it. You know, everyone's, oh, when you see something, say something. Yeah, that's I, it. I know of people who've lost their jobs for being whistleblowers. And yes, it's unlawful and this and that. It doesn't help them in the short to medium term. No, it doesn't. When they can't no, feed their families. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, so you're right. There's so I, much that comes into this. And I think um I think we all have our own personal lines at which point we're not willing to cross. And how do you build this in? I'm really interested to know how do you build that in? I, I, I mean, that's a separate podcast almost. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it starts though, before you even get the person in the company, though, Itan, right? Mm. Because I think if, if you, we were to set up a company right now today, before we actually went and recruited somebody, I think you've got to actually sit down and start to plan about who it is that you want and with, with what set of values that you're going to actually recruit, right? Because yeah. there's no point going out recruiting people that just cannot meet the same set of values that we hold between us. And and if we started on that premise, then actually we're going to pick the right people that, you know, when you do actually say to them, we've now actually written down what we believe are our set of ethics and values, that those people should go, yeah, I completely agree with them. Because yeah. if if you've recruited people that go, poor, no, that's completely the opposite to what I believe, then you, you've, you've broken it before you even begin. But how would you know? There's also... I, I well, think, I think you've, got to have the, you've got to have that ask, guiding principle. Yeah, that, that's that cultural mindset. I mean, every day is, you know, is a responsibility to reinforce that. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah? And I think and that's some of the parts. And it's also what you reward. You know, exactly. If, if you're rewarding the wrong things, mm. if you're rewarding yeah, me for, for profit, for the number of sales that I make, instead, you know, it's, it's the little things that we reward and then people think that it's okay to cut corners you know i've worked in management consulting i've worked in a law firm i know all about billable hours and about people <laughs> getting very creative yep because part of your success and and your career progression depends on how much money you bring in Correct. you know so the minute you start encouraging me to bring in more money with the understanding that i've got a finite amount of time in every day within which to do that you've got to realize that i'm going to need to do some you know i i I might potentially do some questionable stuff so i so it is about motivation right it's about motivate what what is motivating somebody to do something is it positive or negative motivation and what you end up with quite often especially where money's concerned and and listen we can go around the whole daniel pink thing about money not being the whole thing that motivates people right we can come back to that later but um, the minute that you start putting money on the table, then that brings about the law of unintended consequences or actions. Yeah. yeah? And yeah. in that you think that you're motivating somebody to do the right thing for you. But actually what you've probably just done is you've now demotivated them 
from actually doing something else that you actually properly want them to do. And and that is that whole you 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 talked about billable hours, right? That that's part of that. That's a great example. Hiten, you were about to say something, mate. No, no, I I, I just think it's um I just think it's a really interesting, really interesting area. I'm just, I was just listening. I was just listening to you there, Andy. I, I was just musing away. I, I, go on, carry on. <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> but, uh, well, well, listen. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of chomping at the bit here because I want to actually start listing off all these things where uh, I think there's some beautiful examples um, of, of failures and successes about this. But I know that Ian is going to hopefully enlighten us with with some of these things that he's been looking at. Ian, oh, over to you. I don't know if I can enlighten, but I might be able to, you know, <laughs> a dim candlelight. Leave, Leave that to me, Ian. I'll do that. <laughs> Look, it, it, there's loads out there, isn't there? Because it's usually the bad stuff that we remember, yeah. right? Cool. So actually, it was actually trying to find it and pinpoint. A, I, I've picked a story about success, which I'm going to do at the end, okay? And um, I'm I'm doing it because I think it's it is to to Hitton's point earlier on, and and Deborah and, and yours, Andy. I think it's a it's it's a good example of how you build a framework, which at the end of the day makes it really hard not to do the right things. OK, yeah, exactly. so I'll come to that. But look, you know, we, we, we know Bearings Bank, uh, you know, we, we know things like Enron and you could argue, well, oh, that's a different thing. They were they were um, individuals or small group. The point is the culture allowed that to happen. Yeah. You know, it, it allowed that to not get called out. And, you know, in the case of Enron, you know, rightly or wrongly brought down Anderson, Arthur Anderson's as well in the process. So um, there's a cultural mind shift uh, mindset, sorry, thing there, which leads ultimately to that fail which is not looking at this stuff and focusing too much probably on the profit and less about the purpose and the guiding mm -hmm. principles. Um, look at Wirecard, right? Yeah. That's an absolute shock, right? That's, that's, that's nearly 2 billion euros that's unaccounted for. And it's the, it's, it's probably the biggest accountancy fraud in post-world world, uh, world uh, war Germany. Um, you know, you've, you spoke about it today, Boohoo. You've got um, Facebook, it's ongoing. It's ongoing and it's going to be interesting to see where that ends up. You know, they've got it's misuse, in my view, it's ethical misuse of technology, right? On loads of accounts, you know, to do with data breaches, to do with um, having algorithms potentially which are in there and allowing that hate speech to continue and, you know, the whole thing around mm -hmm. false news and on it goes, you know. And, you know, there, there's lots of people will be looking at some of the, 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 the talk on that channel by the founder and CEO about how, how he views the fact that people are voting with their feet and they're and they're removing the marketing. So um, Andy and I talk on a regular basis about trust, and we talk about things like um, Endelman Trust Barometer, and uh, that's by the way that's going to be one of my resources for today. Oh, um, yeah, he's got that one in early. I got that one in early. There we are. I, I, snuck, I snuck it under the door. <laughs> but, but look, you, you know they've they've got a they've got a 2020 survey and they've done a spring update because things are moving around. So if you don't know it, they basically view the world as they survey loads of people and they go, where is trust being offered? You know, where are they putting their trust? And they have four main entities. They have, they have government, they have NGOs, they have the media and they have business. Okay. And, and one of the really interesting things is that government trust has just gone up. Not really surprising post January with COVID, you know, people are, you know, hierarchy of needs, people yeah. are really worrying about safety. Yeah. But, but the two things I want to pair out this from the study is, um, this idea of the two axes of competence in business and their ethics, 
Okay, mm. and of those two axes, right? No, no one of the four entities has got both going on. NGOs are obviously leading on mm. ethics. Yeah. But of all the people that, that were surveyed, they saw ethics as now being three times more important in an organ in an entity wow. than competence. Interesting, so, wow. isn't it? So I, I, I think that's that's a really important piece mm. to observe. Um, so I want to talk about success and um. I want to talk about a story, which is a, it's an old story, right? It happened in the 1980s, and it was a family, the family-owned company, which was uh, Johnson and Johnson. Okay, yeah. and yeah. Um, it's used a lot. So there's lots of stuff out there you can go and look at. The, the, and it was a terrible situation. They had the Tylenol, uh, the Tylenol brand. Okay, um, and in the mid 80s, there was a terrible situation where somebody who didn't work for Johnson and Johnson tampered with those pills. That's added, right. That, oh, added yeah. cyanide. Yeah, they did. Mm. Seven people. I remember yeah. that. Seven people died as a consequence, right? Wow. Yeah. So so here's the thing that happened next. So they had the choice of saying, um, you know, this is a terrible situation with Johnson & Johnson. They have not prepared for this type of media crisis, okay? Yeah. Um, so this isn't an insider. This is an outsider doing a criminal act, right? But it's affecting yeah. brand. Now, they have the opportunity to pay, you know, to pay a certain amount of cost and take it off the shelves in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. They don't do that. They do no. two, they do two brave things. Okay. Um, they, they take it off the shelves of everywhere in the United States. That's right. They did. They, they communicate with people transparently, openly, and honestly. And then they set about saying, how do we stop this ever happening again? And they invent the tamper proof bottle. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. you, you could argue that that is just the leadership and just the ethics and the moral compass inside the person that ultimately had, had sway on that. Here's the, here's the backstory, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you um, a little clip from it, okay? Because we talked about frameworks and we talked about guiding principles. Johnson & Johnson, in, and I think it was 1930s, I think 1932 they were formed, they created a, a founding principle of how they'd operate called the credo. And if you haven't heard about it before, look it up, right? Here's the opening paragraph, okay? And, I, and I'm going to finish here. But what mm. I would say is I think that the credo had mm. an all-pervasive force in their decision-making process and how they acted when they hit that crisis, okay? I think wow. it was the it was they, they, they dropped down through all of that horrible yeah. crisis thinking yeah. of management and they hit the credo and they went, Okay, it's actually really simple. So here yeah. it is, right? We believe our first responsibility is to the patients, doctors and nurses, to mothers and fathers and all others who use our products and services. In meeting their needs, everything we must we do must be of high quality. There you go. The mm -hmm. first responsibility was to patients, doctors, nurses, wow. mothers and fathers. And and I think that building that cultural framework and having that reinforced and one of yeah. the beautiful things they do on a regular basis is they will say is this relevant anymore and they'll talk to all of their people about that yeah okay on a cyclic basis they'll say is the creator relevant and people get discussing and they debate it and they challenge it and at the end of the day it stays it's endearing yeah. i think mm. that's fantastic enduring sorry forgive love me it. love it yeah love it yeah yeah no i i, I think that's great and i think what, what a fantastic way to actually decide on a on a huge huge crisis that you've got, uh, and they made they of course they made the right call. It was really simple, wasn't it? You know, just yeah. take everything off the shelf, take everything off the yeah. shelf, and go back to basics as to why this. Brave happened. though, 
not many that people do that. Brave. That's the thing. Well, well, you go back to Ford though, right? And you st- you straight away take the Pinto, and um, that was a that was the opposite example because exactly. the, the, the Pinto example actually it got down to uh, effectively an accountant working out how much this was going to cost them in damages. That's claims. right. I remember which is why they were. At, 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 that was at the point that they decided to actually take it off. It wasn't. Yeah. Like just it was described. never about human life. No, yes. It, it was. wasn't. A, it wasn't a credo decision. It was an accountancy decision. No. Which yeah. is appalling. Yeah. Ian, well, Ian, I, I, Ian, I just want to say, I just, I love the way you ended that story. And, and I love the word that you use, enduring. Yeah. And that's what it is. There, there are, there are set, certain things, like you said, the Johnson Johnson credo in yeah. that example. But I think that there, that's what, that's where it needs to be. Because business always changes. Like this whole COVID and pandemic situation is massively going to change the entire business landscape, isn't it? In so many, yeah. it is. We're going through change rapidly right now as we speak. <laughs> But, however, how do you navigate change? How do you navigate chaos and, and, and all of these things? It's when you can go back to something enduring. That's it's it. when you can go back to that thing, that, that your own personal credo and your business yeah. credo. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Whatever that, you know. And, and, and I, I do believe that, you know, as much as we like to say, oh, you know, everybody has their own opinion and you can't tell people yeah. about moral compass and everybody has their own values. And, you know, society's got very much like that now. Oh, you know, you see everybody gets all very, no. I think there are actually things that we can all agree on that that are right and wrong, and and they endure. They, they absolutely they endure. endure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, uh, Andy, I've got a question for you, right? Sure. Um, so, because um, we talked about a few of these these big fails, so so is is corruption right the the greatest failing of ethics? Do you think? Um. I'm going to go back to one of your answers that you gave earlier on, which was about Facebook. Okay, and in there, this whole Cambridge Analytica thing, I I, I think that there was a defence there about it was the organisation that was doing it, right? Which means mm. that when it, you try and pin it down to a leader or a couple of leaders and actually say you, my friend, my friend failed, it makes it really difficult because it's the organisation, and and I think that that's where it becomes really difficult to actually say is the corruption the greatest failing of ethics because a, a company isn't corrupt is it it's like a, it's a person that's corrupt and mm. i think that zuckerberg has been really lucky right that's my own personal opinion on that, <laughs> that whole case yeah, yeah, yeah. okay i think that he's really lucky in that uh, and i hope that he looks himself in the mirror every morning and wonders what did he know about that and again, it's a matter of where your own personal line is, right? So yeah. just thinking about that thing of where, where do you draw the line personally? And, and what I want to say is that for corruption, um, is it the biggest failing of leadership? Uh, have, a, have a think about this, right? So uh, some other cases in, recently in the paper, you see the one about uh, Nissan with uh, Carlos Ghosh? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. And round about three or $400 million worth of payments to themselves and a few others, right? Um and another 140 million in proper accountancy and all sorts of things going on. Um, and and there was a kind of expectancy, this thing of I'm above the law, I can I can do this. You know, I'm, I'm the one making the decisions. And uh, and eventually he ends up um, escaping out of Japan in a in a transit box for a piece of sound equipment and gets taken to an airport and flown out to the Lebanon. Um, which is uh, a bit of a comeuppance, really, isn't it? But, um, you, you know, so, so you, you've got a real measure there about where's his line in the sand. But yeah. here's, here's a brilliant one that I found when I was looking 
into into the whole thing on ethics and this one really took me i remembered this so the company was called tyco out in america and there was this uh, the ceo was david kozlowski and effectively, he, he when he got done, they, they, they levied the charge at him that he'd, he'd stolen $600 million out of them. And this had included you know, a New York apartment. Uh, it had basically funded his own personal art collection, holiday homes, and a wife's birthday party, including an ice sculpture of Michelangelo's David with vodka <laughs> spewing out of it. Right. Just... Just the, the, so man had taste. Like the man had party. taste. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> and there's, there's loads Sorry, more. what is what is wrong with this? What? <laughs> By the way, uh, Deborah, just so that you know the full story, it was actually uh, held on a little uh, island off Italy, and it was billed as a shareholders meeting, and that's why the company picked up the tab for it. Oh wow! Yeah, awesome, wow. hey, awesome. But the the point is that these are very very personal things, right? They, these are individuals that you're saying you did it okay and going back to this question of is it the greatest failing i i think it is i think corruption is and by the way there's dictators we could mention all sorts of the indonesian uh, dictator from the early night it's... but, but I, I just want to say deborah and, and then i promise i'll shut up is that, that for me when i think of an unethical leader right i think about the words of self-serving i think about arrogance i think about deception and unfairness mm. right and those those mm. for me i if anybody levied those at me i'd i'd, I'd fall apart that that'd be that'd be the worst thing in the world but i think that for some of these people they they're so arrogant that actually they don't see that in themselves and i think that mm. is the biggest that that that's yeah i what i wanted to ask is that i mean and i, I agree with you but i'm i'm so mindful of the fact that sociopaths walk among us and there's a lot more sociopaths you know than than we even realize who are are undiagnosed um <laughs> and narcissism is is again you know in in psychology we speak about the dark triad of um you know being being a, a sociopath and, and a narcissist and machiavellianism that's that's wow. the dark triad the three and wow. interestingly, wow. Machiavellianism mm-hmm. is is very much learned behavior. It's not something that you can say someone was born it's... with. The other two, unfortunately, they, there's not much we can do about them. But is the, you know, and and I agree with you around the honesty and on all of those things. But for sociopaths, they don't care. You know, the, the thing that's keeping us from killing other people um, yeah. is the fact that we're not sociopaths. Sociopaths don't experience ordinary human emotion the Correct. way that we do, and and they are yep. super self-serving. So is the biggest failing in 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 the ethics debate, is it not perhaps enabling and and silence? Is it not, yes, we can go and say this guy held a massive lavish party under the guise of doing it, you know, as a shareholders meeting, but but what about all the shareholders? And everyone else who signed off on the invoices exactly. and signed the checks. Yeah, yeah. What about their silence yeah. and how they were enabling this? Where, where's the one guy in finance who was like, yep. where's the PO for this? What is this? I'm yeah. not signing it. What's, yeah. what, you know, what's a, great, and, a great leadership, sorry to jump in, but what, what's a great leadership trait uh, in a kind of rhetorical way? You know, being inquisitive and asking questions, right? Yes. Yeah. How did how does that you know how does some of those decision making processes go through so many hands? You yeah, know, agree. that's the thing. And we all just sign off yeah. on it. And yay, yeah. we're in Italy. Yes, that's it. 
Yeah, there is other failings around, aren't there? That's the point. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, that that Kozwalski uh, one from T- uh, Tycho, at his trial, okay, they they had this whole debate. The, the the legal team weren't debating had he done it, okay. That wasn't that wasn't the issue. Yeah, Everybody he clearly had. No, yes. Yeah, but he said, "Yeah, I've done it. I've done it." And he said, "Actually, I was entitled to do it." Well, yes. uh, uh, and that was was actually the discussion that took place. Not wow. did he do it, but that actually was, was he permitted to do it? Now that, wow. whew, at that point, you've truly failed, right? You've got art hanging it's... on the wall of your apartment in New York that's paid for by the company, and you're wondering if you were allowed to do it. Of course you weren't. Well, no, but apparently yeah, he's entitled to beautiful but, things. But, but, but Andy, why has he why has he asked that question, or why has that question even yeah. even cropped up? That so, reason that that reason that question's even cropped up is because there's a culture and there's a there's a, there's, a, there's a wider. There's a whole, it's, it's everything we've discussed in this podcast, you know, when we're saying about what, where is the wider context of where this sits? Yeah. It's that yeah. bigger question, why does the company exist? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, for, for, for me, that you know, the company existing is about to provide a good and a service to, to somebody that has a need for it. And ultimately, that should lead to a profit. That, that, that to me, is the, is the business, right? That after that, uh, how you go about doing it is is then getting back to the ethical bit of, how do you do it and actually keep people safe? There's been other cases, hasn't there? Um, uh, I'm going to forget the, the 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 one about the baby powder. Um, yeah, that yeah. was another big ethical one. Was uh, that the Nestle one? It was Nestle. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, oh, Nestle. Nestle. Yeah, now I remember yeah. it. Uh, yeah, that was an, that was another one that again w- was was a failure. The, there's other ones about GM crops. Was that Monsanto? Mm. Uh, the, you know, the, this, you can you can just yes. literally list these off. There's time and time again where, again, people have actually, real people like me and you, have actually had to make a decision of what am I going to do today that's ultimately going to save people? Because that's it, right? That, that's that's the real the real cut and thrust of it. There's others that have been uh, Bernie Madoff with the mm. Ponzi scheme. Oh, yeah. And this one, again, you can decide uh, how much sympathy you've got for this. Because, yeah, people did probably lose pensions over it. Com- companies did fold. But actually, at the heart of it, there was probably a lot of very rich people that just made very bad decisions and threw money at him anyway. So, you know, th- th- there's a whole variety in, in, as to whether you personally <laughs> think that it's worth your worries or not. An, an, end- an odd link, right? An odd link. Because you know that you know there are no overnight successes. What happens is there's a huge amount of effort goes in, and eventually it breaks, and people find out about it. But there's probably a huge amount of work that takes place yeah. behind the scenes before that. So you know, these people didn't suddenly flip to do that. They must there must have been a whole progression of little lines crossed to get to where they got to that big one. And that's the bit that gets me is how did how did nobody notice that? Well. The thing is, people do notice it, and 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 I'm going to talk about it in my resources and and this amazing study that was done. But people do notice it. But when it's when it's big and bold, like a, a big fancy party in Italy, um, that's a bit shocking. But usually these things are small and incremental. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. and people become desensitized to them. And you know, like you say, then it starts permeating the culture. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and we incentivize this and we discourage that and you know we fire this whistleblower and you know anyone who speaks out or speaks the truth we yeah. we we rip them apart um, and and over time 
people become desensitized to us. And it's just the way we do things. Yeah, totally agree. Well, that probably brings us nicely onto the resources section, because honestly, I know that we're going to continue discussing this in the bonus uh, edition in, in a few minutes time. But um, Deborah, I want you to keep going there. Talk to us about your resources, please. OK, so so I mean, this is a, this is a big topic and it's a difficult one and, and it's philosophical and it's moral and it's there's legalities. So I've got three resources today for our listeners cool. and I'll start you out easy. OK, <laughs> with a quick like nine minutes TED talk um, by a lovely name, lady named Brooke. Um, and, and she talks about um, she, she really talks about creating a culture of ethics in business. Yep. And about a time that she that she had to speak up against the CEO to her boss, who was the CFO and friends with the CEO. And and that moment when you realize but you have to go to the board, you yeah. can't just sweep this under the rug. So that's quite cool. And then there's a lovely article in um, the Harvard Business Review that actually talks about ethical breakdowns. And yep. it speaks about a lot of the things that, that we've touched on today, like the concept of ethical fade. When, when we're focused on business outcomes and profits and the lives of the people and the environmental impact and all of those things fade out of view because they're so peripheral Got it. Um, mm -hmm. at that point in time. And then if, if you're into this stuff and you want to learn more, there is an amazing book. It is, it's a big read. It is, it is quite academic and yep. a lot of case studies. It is called Blind Spots, Why We Fail to Do What's Right and what mm. to do about it wonderful wonderful what a collection well there's a few hours of fun for people um <laughs> I, i'm sure that and i'm sure that by the time we've got through our whole resources section there'll be many hours of uh, ethical reading for people uh Hitem, what have you got please so at the beginning of the 20th century psychologists you know they were very much interested in intelligence and they had an obsession with I iq so that mm. was the thing everyone was talking about iq and then you know, it was the mid-1990s and Daniel Goleman, I think I uh, recommended this book in uh, one of the previous podcasts. Um, yeah. A lot of talk around emotional intelligence, EQ. Yeah. Now, there is a well-researched, so nobody please jump down my throat once I say the word, well-researched um, concept of spiritual intelligence mm -hmm. yeah. based on psychology, neurology, mm -hmm. anthropology and cognitive science all brought together um in a very interesting way and i think it's a very exciting exciting area of uh, uh of study and research i i think we are more than just uh, physical i think there's more wow. to our lives and i think completely and, and and albert einstein has a great quote I, i've got i'll put my quote right now here we go <laughs> hey the quote's good you know albert einstein once said that we cannot solve our problems at the same level of thinking that created them yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got to yeah. have a, a mm -hmm. fundamental paradigm shift. And I think this area of sp SQ, spiritual intelligence, yeah. offers that. Uh, and the book I would like to recommend is a book called Spiritual Intelligence, The Ultimate Intelligence, published by uh, Bloomsbury. And the author is Dana Zohar. Yeah, wonderful. It's a great book. That's wonderful. Thank you very much, Etan. Thank you. Uh, Ian, over to you. I, I want to just follow up on that spirit and intelligence for 30 seconds. Because Please do. We were talking about this recently with Mark Schaefer and, and we talked after it and it was almost, it's really weird hitting. You should say that w mm. what, what we talked about was this idea mm. of community intelligence 
or network mm. intelligence, the ability yep. to to resonate and work within a group of people and actually be almost sympathetic intelligence so that you 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 kind of you all have that muscle memory of how you operate and as a result of that you're fantastically intelligent when you see how the things flow so that's really interesting but i I think there's something in that um uh, i got two for you I, i name dropped one earlier the endelman trust barometer so i'll send the url over to that uh, 20 years worth of research there around how trust has changed. Um, it's really interesting. I think we're going to be in a situation where there'll be no trust in the four entities when we when we get to the back end of this year and, and hopefully get uh, to the, the back end of the COVID-19 crisis. I think people will focus more on that higher levels of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah. and they'll be dissatisfied. And, mm-hmm. and I actually think that a mm-hmm. prediction, if I may, a mm-hmm. crystal ball moment is they'll actually wow. be... Wow, go for it. And there'll be a new entity that they look at, which again will be that community, because people will trust in the network of people that they ask advice for. And 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 the second resource is a book, um, awesome book. Um, finished it while uh, I'm big on audio books, so in, exercising and in the car, I got through Culture Code by Daniel Coyle, and it's great. And mm. you know, that's where I found that deeper story about Johnson and Johnson. I thought it was great. So it's 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 really really good because I think actually. Culture is the framework around whether you get, you know, you 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 do do the right things or not. So I think yeah. it's intrinsically it's intrinsically linked to ethics. Wonderful, love it, love it. Okay, so uh, thanks for that. In my two resources today, I've got one which is a, a scholarly article which actually gives the whole background to the Tyco uh, case. Uh, if you've not heard about this one, if you've not read it, I really do encourage you to just pick this up and read it because you'll never see in the space of a few pages uh, all the background to it and all the, the absolute failings that happened. So uh, please have a read of that because that's another thing that then you can uh, f- figure out where your own moral compass is from that as well. Uh, and the other one is a book that I've mentioned before. Um, it's got a whole section on leadership ethics. It's about leadership and change management and it's by Annabelle Birel. Uh, and it's a fantastic read. Uh, got a lot out of it, um, and it's probably the, the thing that made me actually really question about uh, doing leadership ethics for for this podcast. So it's a great book. There's so much in it, um, and that's got has got a fantastic uh, quote in there about the definition of leadership ethics as well, which is far longer than mine, which is simply just doing the right things. Everybody, uh, thanks very much, um, Hiten, Deborah and Ian. We're going to jump off now and go and record the bonus. But um, thanks very much for your time, everybody. Thank you, Andy. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Hiten. And thanks for all the people that are listening. So, everybody, uh, that is Leadership, the Future and Tea. That is uh, ethical leadership. We've had a a great discussion on that. And hopefully you can see that there's probably a bit of sparks going there, a bit of really good conversation that we've had. We could probably continue this anyway, and uh, we're going to try and do that in a few minutes. Please do catch up with us on the bonus uh, shortly afterwards. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify so we can continue to reach more people and spread the message.